Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, September the 21st, 2017. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsMorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia and get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you could leave me a review on iTunes, that'd be much appreciated. Hey, everybody. It's been a while. I know that uh, the last couple of Sundays, I mean, the last show we had was the Matt Harvey show uh, with Joe Trezor. I believe that was Labor Day. So we're going back, uh, geez, it'll be you know, two and a half weeks. So it's been a little bit, and um, not much has changed since the beginning of September. And, and one of the reasons why I haven't had a podcast, not that you really care about my health, but I, I had a nasty cold right after that show, and it lasted for a good week and a half. And I'm still getting a little bit of a cough here and there. 
I'll try to make sure I use the cough button on here. But feeling better, feeling better about going back at it and uh, looking forward to doing this podcast. Joining me in a little bit, first time on the show, uh, longtime friend, uh, used to work with him over at Gotham Baseball. Uh, I think he's still kind of doing a little bit about that online, uh, Gotham Baseball Magazine, at Gotham Baseball. Mark Healy. Uh, Mark Healy, you find him on Twitter, at Mark C. Healy. He's also the, uh, I believe he's the executive editor over at the, uh, the Wave, a newspaper over in the Rockaways in Queens. So what? how much more local can you get? A uh, guy that's covered the Mets, big Mets fan growing up, very passionate about Mets baseball. And uh, who better to bring on as we, you know, have a little bit of news today. And it was, I was planning on doing this podcast all along on the day off as I was trying to find the right day to do it. And I'm glad I did because the news came out just a few hours ago from Christy Ackert of the Daily News that I guess Sandy Alderson's coming back. That, that seems to be a foregone conclusion, and I'm not surprised about that. But also that – and it seems like Terry Collins, it's, it's going to happen. He's gonna, they're going to frame it as a retirement, but – Terry, they'll move on from Terry Collins. It's not really official. It's not definite, but it looks like the Terry Collins era is going to come to an end, and I think that um, you know it's a long time coming. I'm not going to make this all about Collins. We'll get into that with Mark. Uh, but if Bob Guerin is the replacement, and that's been the word. I mean, you keep hearing Bob Guerin's name. To me, that's just going in the wrong direction. If you want to do a little research on Bob Guerin, Bob Guerin, go back to his days in Oakland. Bob Guerin had a ton of communication issues in Oakland, specifically with his two closers, Brian Fuentes and Houston Street. Uh, you know, Houston Street even said that he was uh, one of the least likable guys that he ever experienced in his time playing baseball. And uh, communication to me. I've always said this, three things, and I've said this on this podcast, and I'll make this brief. Three things a manager could do. He could manage his players and communicate with his players and hold them accountable. And sometimes that's disciplining them. And I think that Terry's done only half the job on that because he hasn't pushed them and he hasn't disciplined this team. You can manage the media. In this town, that's very important. And I don't think that's all that hard with the Mets beat, to tell you the truth. It's not like this is the Knicks beat that's uh, a cesspool. And then the third thing is manage a bullpen. And, and that's what undid Terry mostly during his tenure because he was awful at it. The two things, pushing his team and disciplining his team and bullpen is what I'm going to remember the Terry Collins era for if indeed it's coming to an end. And I don't know about Bob Guerin's bullpen management, but the fact that not one, but two closers are not happy or were on the record as saying that not happy with his communication does not bode well for how well he manages a bullpen. And if you bring another guy in here that doesn't manage a bullpen, especially with a staff that's looking more and more as it's going to be a six and good night type of staff in order for them to compete, you have yourself another issue and a host of problems, and this window of opportunity will close, and the Mets will not maximize what could have been a golden opportunity and a golden era of Mets baseball. So that's all I'll say about that. There's going to probably be more about Terry Collins in the near future. I'll get into that with Mark in just a little bit. Mark's going to be joining me in just a few minutes. As far as what we see on the field, I like to look at September and say, okay, what's the evaluation situation here? What's the good, the bad, the ugly? And I don't know if there's much in between good and ugly here right now. The good, we've seen a little bit more out of Kevin Ploiecki. And uh, Kevin Ploiecki seems to be finding his stroke. 
and and that's a good thing. Uh, you know, got a little bit under an 800 OPS here in September. Actually, both Darnell and Ploiecki have put. I think the stat was out there earlier today, but they're like maybe second in in baseball when you start to look at some of the numbers out there uh, in terms of team catchers. Now I know Darno's popping a home run here and there, and I'm not all that uh, uh, impressed with Darno. Nor do I feel that uh, Darno is 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 anything more than a backup catcher. But you have with with Ploiecki and Darno, and you know that that's going to be the tandem. The Mets are not going to go out. And there's not much on the free agent market. We talked about that in terms of the catchers. With Ploiecki and Darno, uh, you might have a passable uh, situation when it comes to behind the plate. So that to me is, is, is one thing. So that's, that's one positive. So we're going to try to start with the positives here because there's plenty of, of things that we could talk about that's not so positive. That's, that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, we've seen a little bit from Dom Smith and Ahmed Rosario. I like Rosario's range. If you look at even the metrics, his range uh, plays out very, very well. Dom Smith has led the, the team in uh, home runs and RBI since around August 11th. It's funny that uh, Terry uh, uh, Don Smith has a lot. Sometimes when I see him up there, he has so much uh, Bobby Bonilla, he looks like. Think about that. Looks like Bobby Bonilla a little bit. So uh, I look at that and I laugh. And I know that weight has been his issue, and it's kind of a cliche, but he looks a little bit like Bobby Bonilla. The issue I have with Rosario, really, a little bit sloppy. I know he had the stomach situation. A little bit sloppy there when it comes to the routine plays, a little bit too much, you know, playing it too cool. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that's something. I think even Keith Hernandez talked about that during Sunday's game in Atlanta when he made the two errors that could have really cost him the game. So, um, you know, that that's something that I look at and, and, and kind of, you know, take stock in. I mean, Jose Reyes has played really well. I know that this is meaningless games and meaningless situations. Uh, here's a guy that uh, you know has probably a 900 OPS this month. Uh, his range is diminished, but offensively he looks close to what you would expect from Reyes when he was vintage Reyes. You know, not as much as the stolen bases anymore, but you're going to need, and this is really important for both Smith and Rosario, because the Mets are going to pr- go into these guys in spring training as their shortstop and first baseman, unless something really changes. I'd be very surprised if they didn't. You're going to need a veteran in case these guys fall flat on their face. And, and Reyes is a guy that if Rosario needs more seasoning, it's, it's April 25th and he's hitting 172 and looks bad out there, uh, or it's May 1st and, and, and he's, not, it's, he's not hacking it and, and, and he needs to go back down to the minor leagues, Reyes could step in and, yes, he'll be a year older, but at least he's shown you that he's a, a, a veteran that can make the plays, uh, he can probably show flashes of his former self. And offensively, I, I'm not saying that you should throw out April and May. He had some things going on personally. But he's but since June, which is a pretty significant sample, he's been a very uh, very much an above-league average hitter at a position where uh, you know you could use that. And, and, he, and he could bat at the top of the lineup. So that's another positive. Before he got hurt and hurt his nose, Wilmer Flores, I think, was a huge positive. And Wilmer Flores, another situation. I think at this point, you may, may be laughing calling him a veteran, but uh, Wilmer Flores, uh, not only against left-handed pitching, showed a little bit against right-handed pitching. We ch- talked about this with Joe Trezza. Wilmer Flores is a guy that if Don Smith uh, doesn't really pan out, and he's struggling early next year. 
coming, or even in spring training, if maybe they say, eh, it doesn't look like he's ready and he might need some more time or his weight's not where it needs to be. I think first base is Flores' best position defensively, and they'll let him just go out there and hit. I think his best position is DH. That's personally my opinion. So, uh, you know, that to me is, is, is something to, to take a look at. Hey, two other real positives here. Brandon Nimmo, among the, the leaders in the, in the league in walks. I think he could get a little bit more aggressive up there. But here's a guy who's got an on-base percentage, uh, uh, almost at 40, you know, 40%, right around 40%. Uh, he's shown a little bit of pop here in the month of September. Uh, you know, people talk about, ah, oh, the Mets need to go out, maybe get a lefty compliment, a John Jay, you've heard names with, uh, you know, Ligaris, depending on uh, what happens with uh, Conforto and how long he'll be out and whether Conforto's going to be a corner guy or maybe they go out and get a corner guy, bring back a Jay Bruce, and then put Conforto in center. You know what? I don't think they need to do that. I don't think Brandon Nimmo is a center fielder. I think he's a corner player, but I also think that uh, Brandon Nimmo's a guy that has a good attitude. I think he can get on base. You know, he seems to be developing. He's a guy at the very worst could be a backup outfielder, guy who could fill in. You know, if Conforto's going to miss the first couple of weeks of 2018, maybe he fills in for Conforto. So there's a lot there. And quietly, look at Josh Smoker's numbers. I mean, his K rate is insane. He's about 13 Ks per nine innings. Uh, his September ERA is under three uh, going into this, uh, the series with uh, the Marlins. And uh, I think he's looked a lot better. I mean, he was totally lost earlier in the year, and he got sent down, and then he had that situation where, uh, you know, Terry, I think, you know, he pitched them like, what was it, 50 pitches or something like that in relief, and, uh, you know, he's really, really started to show a little bit, and I always think you need two lefties out of a bullpen, and you got Jerry Blevins, who's a veteran, and he's signed, and if you could come in and, uh, you know, get someone like Josh Smoker to get out there, get lefties out, and do his part, um, you know, that to me is a really, really big uh, situation. I mean, the second half of this year, uh, his ERA is about three. Uh, you know, struck out 27 batters in 24 innings, and especially here in September, uh, the batting average against is 185. So, I mean, it could be a situation where he's being used a little bit better. Uh, he's having a really good September. I mean, he's improved every month since, you know, in June and, and May where he just got completely lit up. So that's another positive. As far as the bad and the ugly here, I think let's go straight to the ugly. You know, the Mets have had historical drops in their starting staff. I mean, the, the run differential in games is right up there with uh, the 62 Mets. Team ERA of 5-plus. I mean, Matt Harvey is completely lost. ERA of like 13 since he came back off the disabled list. Uh, he'll even tell you that he's lost. And, um, you know, the, the sad part here is is that uh, I don't know if – it's physical, mental, or, you know, and sometimes you look at Matt Harvey and you think he's done. And you look at all these pitchers, and you haven't seen any progress. And you've seen tremendous regression from the staff. And when you talk about a new manager and you talk about Terry Collins leaving, I find it, and who knows, I find it hard to believe, even though Sandy Alderson said that he was part of the solution just a couple of months ago publicly to the media, that you could continue to bring Dan Worthen back. I mean, here's Dan Worthen who in the newspaper talked about, well, I wanted to retire, but I can't leave the pitching staff like that, so I'll stick around. That's the best-sell job I've seen out of someone trying to keep their their position in my life. Oh, of course you'll stick around. Ah, one more year. Why not take the paycheck for another year and make it seem like I'll save the day? When in reality, I think the question has to be asked, 
what is Dan Morthen's culpability in this historic regression? Has he prepared this staff? Has this, has, has this team come prepared any of the last two seasons to compete from day one? And what is the process these relievers are doing or these starters are doing, these pitchers are doing? Yeah, do, do players have their own uh, process? Has, do players have their own workout regimen? Sure, they work for the team. And when you come to spring training, they better be ready with what they do, but you better be ready to get them started for the season. And I don't know if the Mets have done that. And if somehow... The more you look at these players, the more lost they look. And they have a start here or there that gives you hope, like the Zellman on Sunday in Atlanta, what have you. You've got to say to yourself, well, it's not working. Whatever the pitching coach is doing, even if it's well-intentioned and the process works, it's not working and it's time for new voice. Because the last 10 years, the Mets have had some really good statistical years pitching-wise, especially in, in 15 and 16. But you also have to wonder if they were really good and could have been better if they had somebody else. And you seem to have. You heard Nelson Figueroa on a podcast the other day with Jim Duquette talk about how great a pitching coach Glenn Abbott is down there in A. He called him a guru. We've heard so many good things about Frank Viola. And this is an ugly, this is the ugliest pitching staff that I've seen from the New York Mets maybe in my lifetime. I've been watching the Mets for 30-plus years. This is about as ugly as it is. Now, I wasn't around for 62. And if you look at the stats, the 96 Mets pitching staff's up there in terms of ugly. And that's a staff that had some guys that we're young, and Isringhausen and Paul Wilson, Pulsiver got hurt. Uh, you know, Bobby Jones uh, was on that staff. So they had some guys. They had some kerosene on the fire relievers as well that uh, were part of that staff. So you could excuse that staff, you know, when you have Paul Wilson making his debut and Isringhausen in the second year. That staff didn't have pitchers that were coming who were in the league a while, had made it to the World Series, had competed at a high level, and also were Cy Young uh, candidates. That staff didn't have that. This did. And this is an historic regression. And this is about as ugly as it gets. And if that's not an indictment on the manager, the pitching coach, I don't know what is. Hey, let's take a quick break. Uh, I want to get to Mark Healy. you got Mark Healy on the line. Mark's going to join us in just a couple of minutes, and he and I will go through the news that came out earlier today with Christy Acker talking about possibly the Mets moving on from Terry Collins. I think that's something that we've known has been coming for a while. We'll get his take on you know, the good, bad, the ugly. You know, what does he think about this organization and what, where they're going? And, you know, is there hope or, you know, can this be turned around? And we'll see what Mark has to say about that. So you're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be back with Mark Healy from Gotham Baseball right after this. Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today.
We're back, and uh, joining me, first time on the show, uh, it's been a while since we talked to him. You guys may have heard of, of him on SiriusXM uh, a couple of years back, editor at The Wave, and uh, longtime uh, founder, executive editor, uh, a bunch of other things he did over at Gotham Baseball, Mark Healy, at Mark C. Healy on uh, Twitter. Mark, long time no talk, man. What's, uh, what's going on? It's like, a, it's like a reunion, and it's so funny, Mike, <laughs> that uh, today I posted on Instagram – uh, a picture of the unveiling of the mantle uh, issue of Gotham at Mickey Mantle's. So that's it's pretty a long funny. time. Yeah, that's, so I'm, I kind just of, turned yeah. forty. I just turned forty, so it brings back uh, memories of my late twenties, early thirties. Look at that. Ten yeah, years, yeah. right about ten years. <laughs> yeah, ten, that was just just a uh, just a little bit more because it was August of 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 right? two thousand seven. And uh, some things have changed in the world of the New York Mets. A lot haven't, right? Is that the fair way to put it? As we uh, we end the or we come near to the end of the twenty. Well, at least in two thousand seven, they were competitive before they choked. <laughs> that's true. You know? that, that's yeah, true. That's true. And who's who, you know? At some point, you could say as much as Omar was in over his head, uh, there was a certain amount of likability that may not be existing with the uh, the current regime. I'm not a Sandy Alderson hater, but. I could do without the lawyerly talk. I'm sure there's a lawyerly lecture that will be uh, unveiled in the next seven to ten days. Here's the thing. Um, I remember right about the time that um, when the, the Mets were bringing in Sandy Alderson, and I always got along with Omar. Uh, me and Omar got along famously. It was me and Tony Bernazard that didn't seem quite eye to eye, if you remember correctly. Tony Bernazard's um, son didn't like me too much either. I can tell you that. So, so, <laughs> so, um, the I remember interviewing Bob Nightingale from USA Today on my podcast, and I still have it. Uh, he said, and I said to him, I said, "Won't it be easier for the Mets to deal with other teams now that Sandy Alderson is coming in because of the Bernazard?" effect because you know so many teams hated dealing with Bernazard and he actually said actually Mark I think that uh, the Mets are going to have a harder time making deals because no one in no one in the industry likes Sandy Alderson he is not well liked by other general managers in the game and you know and he's like well they love Omar I said yeah but they really don't deal with Omar you know Omar's you know kind of just six you know sick Tony Bernazard on everybody but anyway it was funny that he said that because I've always remembered that and it's been pretty much repeated to me over the years that, you know, Alderson is not a very well-liked guy. Well, he's an arrogant guy. We know that. And look, Mark, um, I'll succinctly put it, and I've never, I mean, they told me not really to tell anybody. No, I remember when Jeff Wilpon and I talked probably about four years ago, and I basically asked him, what's the difference between Omar and Sandy? He's like, well, Omar really kind of waited for things to happen and reacted and Sandy has a plan in a nice way, but Wilpon was saying was Omar kind of ran by the seat of his pants. He's probably more of a scout instead of an executive. Uh, and Sandy's an executive and maybe not, you know, a hardcore baseball guy. And he's, you know, he's a finance guy and he's a lawyer. We all know that. Uh, so he's brought some structure that the team didn't have before he came on. But let's face it, Mark, he's very stubborn. Um, the whole Terry Collins situation, which I know is more Fred Wilpon than he, but. Um, I almost feel like he sticks with players or even coaches or even the manager because he wants to be right. And I'll tell you, you know, the way they're framing, and even today, I don't know if you saw Christy Ackert came out with, you know, Collins is unsure about his future. The fact that 
anybody's unsure about this coaching staff coming back after their performance this year. And let's face it, you I think you'd agree the performance they've had over seven years has been bad. Even the year they went to the World Series, they didn't do anything particularly well, I thought, uh, from a coaching perspective. I mean, this just goes to show you, you know, uh, obviously the owner, I understand that. Um, but if I'm the general manager and there's any doubt where this guy's coming back, how, how can you even justify it? How can you justify any of them coming back after historical historical drops? 62 Mets numbers in not only pitching staff, but in the amount of, like, the, the, the run difference. I mean, it's amazing how bad they've been. And I don't think people it, realize it, that. You know what? And, and it's, you know, people point to 2015. Let's be honest. 2015 was about talent. It was about talent getting hot. It was about acquiring a guy that was an impact bat in Cespedes. That was by accident. Uh, you know, I wanted Carlos Gomez. I don't know if you remember uh, that yep. night when, when the, you know, when everybody was talking about the game and this and that. I mean, I was making memes of, of Carlos Gomez blowing bubbles saying, let's go Mets, because I had wanted Gomez. I didn't never want Gomez to leave the Mets. You know, I was a big Carlos Gomez guy. So I was excited, and I didn't think Cespedes was even in the conversation because he had an expiring contract. And the Mets said they weren't going to trade anybody for an expiring contract. So, so, you know, let's be honest. 2015 was about Cespedes and the pitchers getting really hot and being healthy. That's, that's what it was about. It wasn't about managing because we saw how Collins managed in the World Series, which was horrendous. Uh, Dan Warden, how he survived all these years. You know, he survived Willie. He survived... You know, uh, you know, he, he survived, you know, the Terry Collins regime change. Uh, I, it's ridiculous how this long this guy's been here. And the fact that the whole staff broke down two years in a row and he's going to keep his job. But that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing he's coming back. And uh, that's amazing. So, I mean, I mean it's Steve, just how, how many pitching coaches I, will survive three managerial regimes? And again, I understand the owner likes him, and I know there's this, you know, we be, and everybody laughs, but I've seen the beat writers talk about it, how Sandy Koufax has a lot of impact on this. Um, oh, no question, no question. To bring Dan Wortham back, I, and, and I, to hear Sandy say he's part of the solution, when you have Frank Viola and even Nelson Figueroa recently on a podcast with Jim Duquette talked very highly about Glenn Abbott down in A. when you have talent that could possibly get plucked by another organization, to keep this guy and a third manager, I don't think any pitching coach has survived. Well, Dave Rigetti's been around a long time, right? Um, but I don't think any man, uh, pitching coach has survived three regimes if that happens. That'd be amazing. Well, look at – but you just look at the resume. You just look at the track record. I mean, uh, I had guys tell me, well, you know, you can't get rid of Warden because if you're going to blame him for the breakdown, you have to give him, uh, you know, uh, credit for, the, for, the, for their emergence. Really? Matt Harvey wasn't a star already? Uh, you know, uh, what, what, did, what did Noah Syndergaard, what did, what did Warden do to, Northern, to, to, to Syndergaard, you know, to make him a better pitcher? Uh, you know, yeah, maybe he taught them all the Warden slider, but it broke them all. So, I mean, right. if you're going to, you know, I mean, if we're, if we're talking Look at brass packs. Look at Perez. Look at John, like, you know, and, and I've talked to Rick Peterson. He had Maine on a very specific schedule. Warthen changed that when he took over. And I know Oliver Perez had work ethic issues. That's no secret. Uh, but it got per- precipitously worse when Warthen took over. Um, and no, absolutely. And I, I've stuff. spoken to Rick as well. I've spoken to Rick as well. And, and, and I, I was honest with him. I said, you know, Rick, 
you know, I was one of those people calling for Warden when he was working with Obergefell because I liked the teamwork that they had in the minor leagues. And I had grown weary of, of the rhetoric of Rick uh, talking about, you know, the butterflies and all these different things that Rick would talk about. But once I spent time with Rick, unfortunately it was after he got fired, once I spent time with Rick and talked to him about um, his, uh, you know, his process, I, I realized that, you know, he's like, he was like the best guy. Would, he would have been the best guy for these pitchers, much yeah. like he was for the big three in Oakland. You know, I mean, they were talented guys, and he, he would treat them all like bonsai trees. You know, he would tweak a little here, he would fix a little there, and maybe they got annoyed, and maybe they didn't love him. But when Barry Zito lost everything, what did he do? He called up Rick Peterson to fix him. You know, um, you know, guys have called Rick over the years to fix them because they know that Rick knows mechanics. I don't hear any of that from more than Mike. I don't hear any of it. I don't hear anything about. I hear that. I hear that. You know, Jake Degrom called John Smoltz. Right. You know, to try and to I get better Jacob and look DeGrom, how. And I know, you know Jacob Degrom recently endorsed him. But let's let's right. also remember something. Um, None of these guys, modern athletes, are going to come out on the record and no, and definitely not. And, and Absolutely not. It's not. just different. It's different. Number one, um, I've never really, other than a piece that the writer I think leads on the agenda, and the writers have all been. I mean, forget Warthen. I mean, who's been very chatty? If you notice, Warthen has been more chatty the last thirty to forty days than his entire ten years here. Well, I'm doing this with like it's almost like they're doing an ongoing resume the two of them, because all I keep hearing is how they're playing really hard for Terry. Don't see that at all. I mean, if the last three days is not an indication that this is a dead team, and I keep hearing all the things that he's doing with Matt Harvey um, and all the progress he's making, which 13 ERA to me, I mean, if that's progress, then what world are we living in right now? Well, I think the other um, part of it is you bring up, bring up the beat writers, and you know, I don't know as many of, of these beat writers uh, as I did when I was covering the team on a more regular basis. Uh, I do know a couple of the guys uh, and the columnists. And, you know, and I, I think that they're all, the columnists especially, like guys like Kevin Kernan and, and you know, Mike Vaccaro, who I have a, a really high level of respect for. The problem is, is that they all like Terry and they all like Dan Warson and they, and they like the day-to-day with them and they, they, they don't want to write critical things. They don't want to write things that make them look bad. And it's almost because they start to see the writing on the wall with Sandy Alderson that maybe he's not the great general manager that everybody purports him to be. Maybe there are flaws. Maybe there are, uh, maybe there is a, you know, um, what do we say, the calabresa, you know, the testadura. You know, he's so stubborn that he doesn't, he doesn't want to listen to, you know, he, his ego sometimes is more important you know, and I say this and people yell at me, but I don't care. If you're going to hire a guy like Bob Guerin to be the manager, like when, you want to, when, you, when you had a guy like Wally Backman in your system, you know, right. your ego, because he hurt you, what, because he, he yelled at you in a meeting and said that you weren't listening and you weren't paying attention and that why not listen to the baseball guys for once instead of the number crunchers? Um, I mean, apparently that's what happened, and that's why Sandy, you know, pretty much decided that, you know, he didn't want to work with Wally anymore. But, you know, is it about all ships sailing in the same direction or is it about winning? 
because I've got to be honest, you know, Sandy Olsen certainly hasn't done enough winning as a Mets GM that he should have the kind of currency to bring in, you know, a, a robot goober like Bob Guerin. 20 good weeks. I mean, think about this, even with Terry. We, we're throwing bouquets, and we threw, you know, they threw bouquets at Terry after the World Series. 20 good weeks is what the last seven years has been. You got the August 1st to the World Series in 15, and then August, what, 20th to the end of the year last year. They've come unprepared. Two years, Mark, two years in a row out of spring training, they haven't been ready to start the season. And, you know, look, I'm not the biggest Dusty Baker guy. Sometimes he could be hard to take. But say what you want to say, and he doesn't have a contract. And even, you know, it was interesting, both Jim Duquette and Jim Bowden said, if, he, if that doesn't get resolved, would a team like the Mets go and get Dusty? The answer is no, we know that. Right. But look at what he did with Washington. Washington had the same problems the Mets have. This is a Mets team that thinks they're better than they are. All they kept saying is they're a second-half team. They're already using, well, this is an anomaly. We're going to compete in the next year. I saw some t- uh, teasers for uh, uh, insider Mets or even Darling's talking like that. Um, nobody's looking in the mirror and saying there were serious flaws before the injuries. They weren't playing well. They were playing lazy. They were uninspired. They were ill-prepared to start the season. There was nothing about the Mets from day one in April that said we're ready to compete and take back the division. Unless I'm missing something. Not one. No, not you're right. Manager, no, I'm my look, I, Mike, I totally agree. That's, that's the GM, I understand, but the manager's responsible. Because from an offensive standpoint, Mark, if they're pitching – was what it has been for two years. This is a 95-win team this year. And who could have predicted the regression? To me, there's a lot of preparation issues there. I don't think it's just – it's health, but could preparation and how they go about preparing for the season, especially in spring training, have led to what you saw in 2017? You know, well, nobody I, knows this. I, I think part of it, Mike, is, is that there's, there's a zero lack of – you know, there's a zero lack of – you know, zero accountability uh, you know, from from ownership on down. Uh, you know, the owners don't hold – the owners can't really hold Sandy Olberson accountable if he's not if, – if, you know, unless you believe this nonsense that, you know, the $155 million payroll was over what they were allowed to spend, if you believe that nonsense, uh, or if you believe the nonsense that this is Sandy's plan, that he doesn't want to spend a lot of money, or if you believe the nonsense that – you know, Terry Collins has a job because he works so well with Sandy Alderson, which is nonsense, because we all know that he's there because of Fred Wilpon and because of the relationship with Sandy Colfax. Same goes for Warden. And when the team underperforms like they did last year, I don't care what anybody says, they underperformed last year. They, they, even, even though they made it to the play-in game in 2016, Mike, you know, they did not have a great record in September. I mean, they were able to get. Yeah, they were they were able to get into that playing game because the Giants just fell apart. And and mm-hmm. you know and, and and if you look at that, you don't score a run in the playing game, and then you you come into the off season and say, well, we we don't need anything when three of your pitchers are coming off surgery, the fourth one hadn't pitched in two years, and the fifth starter. Syndergaard spent his offseason gaining 17 pounds of muscle eating the bowl, uh, the bowl of doom where Barr was supposedly was overseeing his, his workout regimen. I mean, and, and your safety blanket is Gazelman and Seth Lugo, and then Seth Lugo, you allow him to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, you can't, you can't make it up. And Barr you know, so, and that's the big thing. We talked about on the yeah. podcast. I mean, you know, we have guys that have been athletes that have, have, have worked out and – uh, you know, have talked about Barwis. 
mean, Barwis is about, uh, and look, read about him, he's a, a football uh, uh, strength and, and conditioning coordinator. I know that there's things that you could bring from one sport to the other, but, I mean, Cespedes has pretty much outlined that, well, I need to do more running. Uh, you know, but, but you keep hearing how Barwis is the guy that's going to keep him healthy. Um, well, you know, it, it helps to be Jeff Lopon's buddy. I mean, you know, from Michigan. Right, University I mean, of Michigan, that's, Stargazer. That's what it right, exactly. I, know. I mean, that's, no, I mean, I mean come on, let's be honest. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, it's Jim Dolan without the money. I mean, that's really what it is. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, no, you and, 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 but, you know, you wonder if, if, if you, if the rumors are true. I mean, Fred has a lot of, you know, pull in this organization. Uh, you know, you have Jeff, obviously. Uh, you know, Sandy's supposedly, you know, the caretaker here of the money to make sure they don't go, you know, color outside the lines. Uh, the budget, who knows? And I think that – and Howard McDowell, you know, our buddy there has talked about this for years. The problem with the Mets is, is that you don't know what the budget is until the last minute. So it's like basically right. it's, the, it's the baseball version of paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Your wife says to you, hey, can, you know, let's go get groceries. And then you go to the ch- the checkout counter like, you know, this week we're, we're a little light. You know, we have some bills that came up. Let's take – this out of you know the supermarket suite. That's what the Mets are doing. It's baseball supermarket suite. Well, let's do we really need this guy? Like let's let's move it out. And that makes it very hard to build build this team. And I think that's the part that's frustrating um, when it's all said and done. And, and I don't think that's going to change. You know, can they win with all this? There's still a lot here, Mark. I mean, this I don't want to make this all negative because there's a lot here. Now, will there be uh, an improvement if you bring back Worthen and a, a, a Garen? Uh, I don't know. Because that, to me, Garen and what his history has been with the communication issues in Oakland, major communication issues. Major. Brian Fuentes, Houston Street. Um, has that changed? Um, I mean, this is, a, this is Terry Collins' part two. Why are they – they're basically bringing in guys who have failed and are telling you or selling you on, I'm gonna, I've learned from my mistakes. Terry's Here's done a 180. What, I, I think, I think, Mike, that this is what this is the narrative that you're going to get once they hire Garen. Because I'm 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 99.9% sure that you know uh, that he's going to be the guy. Um, they're going to. This is the narrative. Look at AJ Hinch. He failed in Arizona, and then you know he was uh, he was at odds. He didn't know how to communicate at first because he was so uh, indebted to the numbers, and now. After failing, you know, he was able to, you know, forget, forget about the fact that, you know, <laughs> they have a ridiculous amount of talent. You know, it's, right. it's, it's look at A.J. Hinch. You know, he was able to do it. You know, look at Terry. Terry was able to, you know, overcome decades of failure to become, you know, because this is the environment that, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, he's amenable to uh, analytics. And, you know, it's the whole, you know, the whole saber magician uh, you know, narrative that, you know, it's not about, you know, managing in game. It's all about, you know, trusting the numbers and working one-on-one with the front office. And, you know, I, I think that I, that that's the narrative you're going to get, but you're right. Uh, my favorite quote from Houston Street was, he was my least favorite person in baseball from age 8 to 27. I think that was the quote. His now, least favorite back, person. He took it back a year later when he thought the Mets were going to trade for him. I was reading, I was doing a little right. quick research, but I mean, every player right. does that. I mean, even baseball prospectus, I'm reading this Dave Copabianco the other day. You know, he yes, I read that too. Harry as a well-meaning, good-hearted man on a precipice on a job, uh, losing a job he clearly loves. 
And I, I swear, Mark, I'm banging my head against the wall. I'm like, baseball prospectus has caught the disease. I mean, all due respect, well-meaning, big-hearted, those are nice traits. You know what those are in management? That's loser. That's loser. And if you, don't, if you think these players are playing hard for this guy, and, and he's been soft on these guys. He's been soft from day one. Forget the bullpen management, which is atrocious. Put that in the right. parking lot for him because there's nothing there. Like, there's a guy that um, I love to see him play Stratomatic because he'd be a bad Stratomatic manager. And you don't need to manage people in Stratomatic. You just got to manage a damn bullpen. Um, where is there – I mean, I, I, I heard about what a disciplinary is, high energy. Mark, from day one, I haven't seen high energy from him. I haven't seen anything from him. Why, the players like him because he leaves them alone? He treats them like adults? Uh, I think they need discipline. I hate to say that. Maybe I'm old school from the old Pat Riley you know, mentality, Buck Showalter. But uh, I'd rather see someone who has a little – I mean, not that you want to be uh, uh, Adolf Hitler here, but – and I know you have to be different in today's game. I understand that. But I think Terry's soft, and I don't know if Bob Guerin coming in is going to change the culture. And I think there's a culture issue in the clubhouse. That, that's my issue with Bob Guerin. Amongst well, I mean, that's the thing, too. But that's the thing, too, Mike. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's, that's a clubhouse full of good guys. You know, there's not a lot of discipline problems in that clubhouse, you know. But they're not pushing uh, themselves. Mark, are they pushing No, they're not. I mean, but, you know, but that's, that's because, you know, they basically have, you know, they mailed it in. They've been mailing it in for months now. You know, two years. But I think part and of that, but I, let's be honest, series. Mike, Mike, look what they did at the trade deadline. They didn't try to get better. They dumped everybody. So what do you expect the players to do? The players like, oh, they don't well, care, so yeah. why should we? I mean, the fact that there's been articles written about how Terry's done such great things with uh, the kids coming up from AAA. If you're a AAA player and you need Terry Collins to keep you motivated your first six weeks or eight weeks on the job, you're never going to be a big league ball player. You're done. Because if you can't be motivated to prove yourself now, Mark, when are you going to be motivated? When you get the, the four- or five-year contract? Or now? I mean, come on. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, are these kids and coming into this listless environment, and I understand when you lose, that happens. It's not even really good for the young players because it's, it's like what happened back in the 90s when guys like Ryan Thompson and Jeff Kent came in here. They didn't get better until they left because it was a bad environment for young players. Now, that's an overreaction. It's not that bad now, but I don't see any young players learn anything from the last six, eight weeks. Yeah, I know they dump people, but, you know, this doesn't look like a team that's one of those second division clubs looking to play spoiler out there. They're going to roll. I mean, not that there's that been that opportunity, but they've pretty much said, eh, we're going to show up and whatever happens, happens. You would have liked to see a little bit more. At least that's what I feel. Maybe I'm overreacting to that. No, I, I think that that's a valid – I certainly think that's a valid um, criticism because, let's be honest, I mean, you know, what I know of this staff, there's no Italian evaluators on it. There's no guys that, you know, I mean, certainly uh, Terry has no feel uh, for these players. I mean, look how long it took him to play uh, Conforto on a regular basis. Look how long it took him to trust – you know, some of these other players and give them opportunities to which, in, in which to shine. Uh, how many times did he play a veteran instead of playing a kid? Uh, how long did it take him to put T.J. Rivera in the lineup every day? How long did it take him to trust Wilmer, Flores, for goodness sake? Uh, a guy who was, I mean, granted he was a terrible defensive shortstop, but you want to pin it with him playing shortstop. Which is amazing. And, and how they, the you know what I mean, like how they, how they, 
you know, just just move these guys around. It's just like it was almost as if he made the wrong call almost every day, especially, you know, in the early part of the season when, you know, there was still a chance to at least play well. Um, you know, trusting Reyes as long as they trusted Reyes. I mean, I, understandably, he bounced back the second half of the season, but these games mean nothing. The same thing with Cabrera. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of people talk about his veteran leadership and this and that. This is a guy who wanted to trade. They should have traded him. You know, this guy's not a deal breaker. This is not, this, you know, they're not winning a pennant next year. You're bringing back as Drupal Cabrera to play second base when you have a guy like Flores, when you have a guy like DJ Rivera, if he's going to be available. Uh, you know, you can't tell me that you can't find a second baseman somewhere that can be a little scrappy guy like the Red Sound and Scooter Jeanette. I mean, and I'm not saying that he's the answer. I'm not saying that these guys are the answer. What I'm saying is, is that you need a manager when you move on that has the feel for the player, that understands, wow, this guy, you know, like the way Davey did with Wally, the way Davey did with Lenny Dykstra, the way that Davey did with Mookie and, and, and sitting him in when he came back from the injury. And I know I'm going back to 86, and then people, everybody knows how. Look, go back to Bobby Valentine, you know, Mark. I mean, exactly. nobody likes Bobby Valentine. But all I know is he got the best out of Benny Agbayani. He was able to win with Sean Dunstan playing center. Field. Rick Reed. Uh, Found Rick, Rick Reed. Reed. Developed Rick Reed. Rick Reed. Right. Nobody, you know, nobody wanted to touch Rick Reed. You know, look at those pitching staffs from 98, 99, 2000. Yeah, they had Hampton and Leiter. But uh, Bobby Jones even had his moments. Uh, the 97 team, not the greatest talent team uh, there. Guys like Louis Lopez. I mean, I could go on. Again, I'm dating myself. And it's funny because it seems like yesterday, and I'm like talking like, how when you and I were probably you know watching baseball in 99, 2000, like our dad used to talk about the 69, 73 Mets. Now we're talking about the 99 Mets like that or the 2000 Mets like that. But the point is, you know, Bobby Valentine did not have to have a start. Every, uh, the, the, Terry's had more talent than Bobby had, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, 2015 team, probably better than the 99 team. And I love the 99 team and the 2000 team uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you really forget that anybody knew how to put players in positions to succeed. Now, let's say this, Mark. Let's put Wally back when, you know, we've talked about this a billion times. Not going to happen. Let's put him in the parking lot again, use that term. If, it's, if you had the druthers and you couldn't have Wally back, and you want to hire a manager, because there's a lot of names that get thrown out there. I hear Alex Cora, Joe McEwing, some people throw out Robin Ventura, uh, you know, on and on. Who, who other than Wally Backman, if you could make a hire, would be the right guy? For the Mets, if you had your chance to do that. Well, McEwing, you mentioned McEwing. McEwing is a guy I really like. I really, really like McEwing. Um, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm biased because I know him personally, and, and, you know, I've talked baseball with him, so I have a sense of, but it's the same thing with Wally. You know, when people say, oh, you just like Wally because it's 86, that's no, it's nothing to do with it. I mean, sure, I loved him as a player, but, you know, you and I have both talked with Wally. Uh, about right. the way he wanted to use the bullpen, the way he wanted to implement, you know, finding guys and making them work and making e- making every inning a winnable inning and things like that. Uh, I think McEwing has that same kind of mentality. Uh, he wants to win every game. He wants to, you know, win every inning. Uh, you know, he wants to have a, um, a bullpen that, you know, Look, if I don't have the top guys, then I try to make you know I try to make everybody fit. You know, you you know just he's just so excited to talk about the game and has an understanding of what it is to win and to play at a high level with with you know he's played for great managers. Uh, McEwing is a guy uh, I'd really like. 
Um, another guy is um, Danny Martinez, Dave Martinez, I mean, from uh, who was an assistant to Madden all those years. Uh, another former major league player who, you know, who respects analytics but doesn't look at it as an end-all, be-all. A guy who, another guy who's played on a lot of different teams, played in a lot of different organizations. Um, and I, I like the idea of him more than a Joey Cora or an Alex Cora because, you know, the Cora name, the Cora guys, we, we've heard about them every year. Nobody hires them. There's a reason why nobody hires them. Now you're hearing you know, Sandy not, Alomar Jr., John Heyman threw that one out, Sandy Alomar. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure that, you know, John Heyman heard that from, you know, uh, you know his his favorite owner in, in, in baseball, Jeff Wilpon. Um, you know, that Sandy Alomar Jr. is uh, another guy who's never been hired anywhere. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not saying I don't I don't respect Sandy Alomar Jr., but there's just something about those guys that doesn't, you know, it just doesn't relate to me. It's like, why do we have to be the team that hires these guys? You know, why did we have to be the team that hired Willie Randolph? You know, why did we have to, you know, put, put a guy in a position with that kind of talent who we knew, and, you know, and, and, and granted, you know, I, I still feel that the Mets did a terrible job the way they made him into a martyr, uh, but again, you have Tony Bernazar in your office every day. That's going to make you kind of cranky. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I think at the end of the day, if, if, you know, the really long answer to your very short question, uh, McEwing is a guy I'd like to see. Dave Martinez is another guy I like. Um, you know, I've heard some great things about, you know, Pedro Lopez. Uh, I, I've only had a limited amount of experience, Pedro Lopez being the AAA manager for the, for the, for the Mets. People throw um, Gardo Alfonso's name out there too. I'm sure. Yeah, but you know, I mean, he's a neophyte. I mean, I, I, right. if anything, his brother Edgar uh, Edgar Alfonso, who was the first ever manager of the Cyclones, who got all the way to Double A uh, before he ran awry of Tony Bernazard. Um, Edgar, uh, to me, would be a guy who would be fantastic uh, as a manager. But you know, I have no, I have no feel for Edgardo. I mean, I love him as a player, but I have no feel for his ability to manage. Uh, didn't the Cyclones just have, like, a horrible year? I think they won, like, 13 <laughs> games. Not that that's a right. measurement, you know. No, I, but I know. It's a little tough you, to bring you know up a guy in Brooklyn. You, you know what's interesting? You brought up analytics guy, and I keep hearing this, and it's like in the article by Christy Acker of the Daily News talks about, you know, an analytics guy like Mike Bettini. Uh, and, and and you and I, you know, we kind of evolved this a- analytics. Like I was a guy that grew up, it was about RBIs. And, and then, you know, I started to learn this stuff and I was resistant. And now I kind of see that there's some really good measurements to look at how yeah. players, the value. It's Absolutely. good stuff. But let's not make this complicated here, Mark. Lefty-righty splits, uh, on-base percentage. Um, it's not – there's really I, – I hate to sound like this because, and again, I'm not in a front office, so – you know, I'm just a guy that talks baseball, thinks he knows, could entertain a little bit, you know, give some context and perspective. So I'm not in a front office, and I'm not trying to get a job in a front office. Um, but we're overcomplicating baseball. I mean, this is no different than anything else. It's just playing percentages and knowing your personnel. See, that's the part that if the communication isn't there, and any of these analytic guys that they hire, the communication is there. There's nothing the front office can do. Unless Sandy Alderson or J.P. Ricciardi or any of these guys want to sit in a dugout, which I think is against the baseball uh, guidelines anyway, there's no gap that the front office can do to change that with their analytics. If they don't communicate, to me, you've got to communicate with your players. 
you got to and, and part of that is holding them accountable and disciplining them. Uh, you've got to uh, manage the media in this town, especially the media. Although the Met beat is pretty soft, so that's not too hard. And then the third thing is, and if you can't do it, the other two don't matter. You got to manage a bullpen because nobody's going to go past six innings anymore. And if you can't do the third part or any of those three, then you could have all these stats in the world. You're not going to win. Now maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I really believe those are the three things that make a successful uh, major league baseball manager in this town. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. And Terry did poor, did well on one. I think he communicated well, but not uh, didn't push players. And then the third one was the bullpen. And to me, that's what lost them the World Series. And I warned everybody for years that was going to happen. I told people in 2011, when they get good, you'll see Terry ruin a season because of the bullpen. And he did. And it'll be the same exactly, thing again. It's Mark. exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. Let me, let, me just, let me just leave you with this, Mike. And it was an absolute pleasure being part of the program. Let me leave you with this. When it comes down to, to it, the most famous book and slash movie uh, ever made about analytics, ever made about sabermetrics, was Moneyball. Um, and, you know, it always are, irritates me to no end. Uh, as much as I love Chad Bradford, that Chad Bradford got a chapter in, in Moneyball and Rick Peterson didn't. Um, but when you look at it, I'll take a sabermetric measurement, which is war, okay, because that's how the saber, saber guys, uh, that's how they measure productivity and, and who's the most important player on the team. Of the top six guys in war, on the Oakland A's in 2002 that won 103 games, the top five of the six were um, Tim Hudson. I don't know in order. I don't have it in order in the top of my head, but Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez, um, Tim Hudson, Barry Zito, and Mark Mulder. None of those guys had anything to do with the book or the movie as being mentioned as key parts of the success of that team. Now, you explain to me how an MVP, what did, what did analytics have to do with Miguel Tejada? What did analytics have to do with Eric Chavez? What did analytics have to do with Mulder Zito and, and, and Hudson? Those guys were drafted, developed, and became great in a system that was traditional scouting, traditional metrics, traditional getting those guys ready to play ball. What has Terry, what has Billy Bean won since then? Nothing. Nothing. He, he's won divisions. He's won one. In all the years that that guy's been the general manager, he's won one playoff series because, you know, the, the, all, the all-inclusive, my blank doesn't work in the playoffs. Yet right. the guy's never won a pennant, but he's a genius. Everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's a genius. You know, A, you need money to make sabermetrics work. And B, you still have to be able to evaluate talent. It's not chess. You know, it's not chess. Nobody cares. At the end of the day, is it about process or is it about results? And look, and until leave you, I'll, I'll, I'll think about Daniel Murphy. That 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 I mean, come on. the evalu- and I, listen, I was the first one to say the defense. He drove me nuts defensively. The playoffs a little bit of an outlier, but there was also that thing in the back of my head. Well, you know, he's not asking for a lot of money, and obviously there's a lot more with the third base situation and David Wright. But that to me is not evaluating talent properly, and that's a killer. 
And that's and thinking that your process up. is going to make up for the talent. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. They got lucky. And you make it make it seem like, oh, Scott Hatterberg, you know, oh, let's make a movie with Chris Pratt, the most one of the most likable guys on screen, <laughs> so, to, to even further the narrative that his 65 RBIs were the reason they won 20 games or his 65 RBIs were the reason that they, they won 103 games. It's nonsense. And it's Mark, nonsense. something a lot of people don't know. They tortured Murphy earlier in the Sandy re- uh, regime because he wasn't hitting home runs. They threatened to send him down. Nobody knows that. I know that because I know somebody on the team that played with him. They threatened to send him down. Guy stops hitting home runs, they let him walk as a free agent. Think about that. That's true. They threatened to send him down if he didn't start hitting home runs. It doesn't <laughs> shock me. Nothing. I mean, it doesn't shock me, Mike. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. Unbelievable. So, all right, so you got the wave. Gotham Baseball, at Mark C. Healy on Twitter. What else? Uh, let everybody know where they could find you, and then all the trolls could come out and tell you how bad uh, you and I are and uh, how lost well, they would know. Well, they would know better because I, I still say this, and, and you know, and I'll, I'll continue to say it, that uh, the preparation, uh, you know, the production value maybe wasn't always there, but we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a radio station behind us. We didn't have, you know, big sponsors behind us. But I'll put the content of our program that we've done over the years uh, really, Mike, against – Anything that's out there, I, I'm honest. I, I you know, uh, I appreciate it. And I agree. You and I have I've talked long and hard about you know production value and and what these people put into their program every day and how they mail it in every week and or every day. Uh, and you know, I'll put what we did up against anybody. And we didn't have to uh, steal millions of dollars of people's money in uh, bogus tickets to do it either, my friend. Remember, yeah, you went there. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Listen, you have a great night, man. Let's catch up again. And uh, all good stuff, man. I appreciate uh, you being very generous with your time. All righty? Anytime, buddy. Mark Healy, at Mark C. Healy on uh, Twitter. And really good stuff. I want to thank everybody, obviously, for tuning in uh, and being patient. I know that, uh, like I said in the open, uh, got a little bit off the Sunday schedule because a, you know, there's not a ton to talk about. B, I had a, a very uh, nasty cold. Uh, and I just kind of got off the, the coughing kick, so it was kind of hard for me to do an effective show. And, and I'm glad I had a chance to get Mark during the week. He's got a busy schedule on the weekend. So, uh, you know, we got a chance to talk to him, catch up, and what have you. Uh, unless something really happens, I think the next step here, podcast-wise, is um, – uh, you know, end of the season. Let's hear what Sandy Alderson has to say. Let's hear what the Terry Collins news becomes. I'm sure there'll be a managerial search. There has to be. They have to at least put, uh, you know, a few candidates out there. Uh, it sounds, you know, again, everybody thinks it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Bob Guerin. Interesting that Mark thinks that Dan Worthen's going to come back. Uh, I'm not surprised about that. I've had that fear. Uh, but they think that's the next logical conclusion, which would probably be in about a week to 10 days. So, uh, Hopefully this uh, podcast will keep you tied it over. And then there's the playoffs, uh, which is a uh, Yankee playoffs, not a Mets playoffs. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the hot stove will be here uh, just, you know, before you know it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed everything. And, uh, of course, I want to thank Mark Healy. You can check out Mark Healy on Twitter at Mark C. Healy and also Gotham Baseball at Gotham Baseball on Twitter. You can check me out all the time at our uh, MetsMarizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. You can get the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. 
I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I'll see you in another week or so. Stay, sit tight. There'll be more podcasts in the near future. Take care.